Hannah, can I get a new battery for this? Thank you, John Michael. You're on it. When you have intimacy, what would come from intimacy is what? Fruits. And so if you're going through a, a season of intimacy, the thing that you should expect is increase. What you should expect is fruit. Amen. But it's important that if we are expecting fruit, if we are expecting increase, if we are expecting the family of God, if we're expecting the household of God to increase, then we need to get ready for that. Man, it's like I feel like I'm like running a race right now. It's all these microphone tosses. I'm gone. And as the Lord put this word upon my heart, I felt like what he's wanting to do is to prepare us for increase. If you want to get prepared for increase, say amen. Amen. Say, I want it. it. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I want it. it. (laughs) If you know them, you ain't got to call them neighbor. (laughs) Like turn into your best friend. Neighbor, I want it. We got to get ready for increase. See, God has been God has been hammering me with this because something about Pastor Christian that I love is that Pastor Christian has a mindset for increase. Like he's always thinking about like not what the church is going to look like with 100 people or 250 people. He's thinking about what the church will look like with a thousand people. He's thinking about what his life's going to look like when God increases his his influence, increases his authority, increases his finances. And then when he talks to me, I'm like, I'm just thinking about tomorrow. And it's important for us to begin to shift our mindsets, to begin to think in terms of increase. Let's look at this passage right here. This is a famous passage. There's been books written about it. And it's about a man named Jabez. I heard some people stop talking about Jabez. Everyone's like, Jabez? His name is not Jabez. It's actually in the Hebrew. It's Yabetz. So his name is Jabez. Everyone say Jabez. Don't say Jabez. <laughs> Jabez said, I'm from the South, so I can throw on a country accent like that. Jabez said he's more honorable than his brothers. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it's not Jabez. It's Jabez. It said that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. You know, that word more honorable in the original language meant that he was more glorify that word honor also means glory did you know that the first thing i want you to know today is is that you are made for honor you are made for glory you are made for increase that word more honorable doesn't just mean honor it doesn't just mean glory it also means abundance it actually means that a person is made abundant So in this passage, it's saying that not Jabez, but Jabez was made for abundance more than his brothers. He was made for glory more than his brothers. He was made for influence. He was made for honor. He was made for favor more than anyone else in his family. Do you know that when God made you, he made you for increase? If you know that, say amen. See, many of us, we don't have a paradigm to believe that God actually made us for increase. We don't believe that when God fashioned us in our mother's womb, when he thought about us, when he looked at you, when he had a very, when he just said, you know what? I'm going to make Judy Kim today. 
And I'm making her for increase. I'm making Lisa Kim for prosperity. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, what does the Lord say? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That word prosper, that means to make you abundant. That means to make you increase. You know that? You know that God has made you for increase. He's made you to increase in every single area of your life. He's made you to increase in your relationships. He's made you to increase in your relationship with him. He's made you to increase financially. He's made you to increase in influence. If the church is going to rise up in these latter days and be the glorious bride, we need to rise up in influence. We need to increase in all these areas. Amen. And God's made you for it. God made Jabez. God made Jabez for it. And, but it says that even though he was made for increase, even though he was made for honor, even though he was made for glory, he was born in pain. It says that he was made for honor, he was made for increase, but then he was born in sorrow and pain. It says actually that his mother named him that Jabez because she had birthed him in pain. She said that she had birthed him in sorrow. That's kind of jacked up, don't you think? Like, I'm going to name you pain. Like, I was born like, I was born in 1985, August 8. Oh, come on, Melody, one person. (laughs) I was born like, I was born like a month premature. My mom was like, she had to, she was rushed to a hospital that was like, Four hours down the road because of her high blood pressure. I mean, like, who names their kid based upon the situation that they birthed them in? That'd be like my mom naming me, like, high blood pressure, premature corpening. You know what I'm saying? Like, who does that? You know, well, actually, my name has a funny story. Because, like, I always thought that my name came from the football player Marcus Allen. You know, like Marcus, like, oh, Marcus Allen, right? Like, yeah, like football player, right? And I remember one day I was riding around with my mom. I was a little kid. I was probably like seven, eight years old. And I'm riding around with moms. So I'm like, so mom, I'm, I'm, after, I'm named after Marcus Allen, right? She's like, uh, no. I'm like, oh, oh, so like a movie star or something? Like, you, you I got some great name, right? And then my mom's like, well, actually, so when I was pregnant with you, um, I was working at a Kmart. If you don't know what Kmart is, it's uh, like Walmart. If you don't know what Walmart is, it's like Home Plus. It's like E-Mart. <laughs> it's like E-Mart. If you don't know Kmart, you know Walmart. If you don't know Walmart, you know E-Mart. So when my mom was pregnant with me, she was, she was working at Kmart. Like she was, I don't know what she was doing, pregnant lady, like scanning stuff, like cashier. <laughs> And stuff, but um, she's she was like, yeah, I was working there at Kmart, and there was this guy that would always come in, and I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> she's like, yeah, he would come in all the time, and I thought he was kind of cute. And I was like, and like she, she's like crushing my dreams, you know. I was like, she started off with Kmart, it crushed it immediately, but then she's like cashier, and I'm like, okay, all right, what's going on? She's like, this guy keeps coming in, 
And I'm like, all right, I'm getting nervous. She's like, yeah. And I was always wondering, like, mm, who's this guy? Like, who is this guy? He keeps coming in. And I asked around and I found out his name was Marcus. I was like, mom, no, you didn't name me after the cute guy in Kmart. You named me after the cute guy in Kmart. <laughs> I understand what Jabez went through. <laughs> you know, another funny story was I took Latin in, in, uh, in high school. And uh, one person took Latin. Thank you, Lisa. And uh, I remember we, were t- we took it and about, I took it for four years. And then I took the placement exam in college and uh, I ended up taking a different language because I didn't do too well. Uh, but uh, I remember, I don't even know why I'm talking about this, but I remember I was sitting there and we decided in class we were going to look up our names in the Latin dictionary. And I remember people were looking up their names and one girl was like, oh, my name means wisdom. Another guy's like, my name means favor. My name means honor. And then I'm like, oh, Marcus is going to be good. I look it up. Marcus. A common name. <laughs> and it's like comma, commoner. Like, Everyone's like, Marcus, Marcus, what's your name mean, bro? What's your name mean? I'm like, it, it's, uh, it means awesome. Now let's, let's see that. Ah, uh, it means commoner, die. Actually, Marcus comes from the word Mars, which is war. Marcus actually means warrior. Uh, 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 uh. Not the cute guy in Kmart. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I got way off topic, but I feel good. <laughs> Jabez was born... He was made for increase, but he was born in pain. And many of us, we are made, you, you, all of us are made for increase, but we were born in pain sometimes. We're born in situations of hurt, of sorrow, times where we feel like that our situation, our background, everything that we've grew up in, where we grew up is, is poverty. It's sorrow, it's pain, it's strife. And the temptation is when you're made for increase, when you're made for glory, is that, but you're born into pain, is that you begin to identify with your pain rather than what you're made for. And you begin to exalt your pain as your prize. Because you don't believe anymore that God has actually made you for increase. You don't believe that God actually is going to accomplish those dreams and purposes. The increase that he's made for your life. Now, that's not really who I am. Do you know my name? My name, my, my, even my name means pain. Saying that I'm going to go out and see signs and wonders and do amazing things for the kingdom. My name means commoner. <laughs> you know, a spirit of poverty is when God has purposed you for increase, but instead You take your pain and you make your pain your wealth. You make your pain and your sorrow and your suffering your prize. You know, in the body of Christ today, that's what we've learned how to do. 
If we hear anyone talk about increase, if we hear anyone talk about God wanting to prosper you, if you hear anything about how God wants to actually make you well, we shoot that person down. We can't stand that person. What are they talking about? That's not biblical. That's not godly. And it's because we're walking in a spirit of poverty. No, no glory is suffering. Glory is pain. Glory is dying. Look at the cross. Yeah, Jesus went to the cross, but he rose again three days later. You see, when you take your suffering and you make it your prize. That becomes your ceiling. And that's the highest you can ever go. Because that's your goal. My goal is just to suffer. My goal is just to get to that one point. Many times, even the way we look at at decrease, the way we look at suffering, the way we look at pain and lack is wrong. It says that those who suffer with Christ will share in his glory. You know, we say blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom, right? But a spirit of poverty reverses that. It says, in order to get the kingdom, I must be poor. But that's not what Jesus meant. When Jesus looked at them, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. You're poor in spirit right now, but you will get the kingdom of God. You may be meek right now, but you will inherit the earth. He wants us to shift out of that mindset. To shift out of that place where we say, well, this situation in my family, this situation that I, that I deal with, this circumstance, this is the best it's ever going to be. I can't expect more from God. I can't really expect him to take my dreams, to take the things that he's written upon my heart and bring them to pass. You know, this, you know, we have like the Eeyore syndrome, you know, little old me. It's like Snuffleupagus syndrome. You ever watch Sesame Street? It's, hey, bird. It's nothing, bird. You know, little old me in this suffering. This is all I'm ever going to have. You know, Jabez could have had that. He could have had that syndrome. He could have been sitting there saying, you know what? My mom looks at me and every day she says, come here, pain. Come here, sorrow. This is the best you're ever going to be. When I look at you, all I'm going to think about is pain. He could have exalted that as being his prize, but he didn't. You know what he did? It says in verse 10, it says, Jabez called upon the Lord. He called upon the Lord saying, he called upon the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me. He called out for increase. But that word call doesn't mean like he just picked up his phone or he just said like a small little prayer. Like, God, would you bless me, please? Thanks. That word call actually means to cry out. That word call means to actually press in. That word call means to fervently call out, fervently pray to God for increase. How many of us fervently pray to God that God would bless us? How many of us fervently cry out to God that God would increase us? But this man did. You know, in order for you to experience increase in your life, you have to cry out for it. It won't come on its own. You have to get into your prayer closet. You have to get alongside brothers and sisters and you have to cry out for that increase to come. 
Many times we think, oh, well, I need to cry out for it in order for God to do it. But that's not it at all. It's not that God doesn't want to increase you. It's not that God doesn't want to bless you. The reason you got to learn to cry out for the increase is because you don't want it. See, many times we think I got to cry out so I can convince God to bless me. I got to cry out so I can convince God to increase me. Like, God, would you please do this? I've been asking you so much. Please do it, God. As if God's sitting up there like, okay, I'm waiting for like two more prayers. Okay, that was a good one. I'm going to give you a double check on that one. All right, here you go. Here you go. Bless you with that. No, see, we have to cry out for increase because the problem is not that God doesn't want to bless us. The problem is that we don't want to be blessed. The problem is, is that we don't have the faith to believe God, to believe that God would bless us immeasurably more than what we ask or imagine. Do you believe that God wants to increase your life? You know, I can think of so many prophetic words that I've received from people. Well, they'll come up to me and they'll pray for me. They'll lay hands and they'll be like, the Lord is saying he's going to bless you. He's going to increase you. He's going to overflow your cup. I just see abundance over your life. And I'm standing there like. (sighs) (laughs) And those and, and you know what it feels like? It feels like those words just go and just hit the ground every single time. And I don't receive them. But when you take those words, when you take the fact that God wants to increase you, you take the fact that God wants to bless you, you take the fact that he wants to prosper you, and then you take it to your prayer closet, and you begin to cry out, and you say, oh God, if you would bless me, oh God, that you would increase me, oh God, that you would build me up, oh God, you placed this dream upon my heart. God, you have made me for increase. Now, God, I'm going to press in until I see it happen. You know what begins to happen in you? Faith begins to rise up. See, the first time you pray that prayer, you don't believe it. The first time you ask God for that increase, you don't have the faith for it. But the second time you pray it, you begin to have a little bit more faith. And the third time you pray, you begin to believe a bit more. And the more and more you begin to pray, the way you pray for that thing begins to change. You're not begging God anymore. Now you're asking God. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Now you're not in, but then you keep pressing in and you go past the realm of just asking God. Then you get to the realm of claiming it. And then you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying and you go past the realm of even claiming it. And then you begin to decree it and declare it. And then you begin to see it manifest. Because now you've got the faith to believe that every word that you speak that comes from your mouth will never fall to the ground. Because you're a son and daughter of the most high God. That's why you've got to cry out for it. See, there's something called... I learned this from Dr. Kirby Clemens. He's Pastor, he's Doc, Pastor Robert Daniel's spiritual father. And he talked about something called spiritual guidance. And he said that there is divine liability and then there's human responsibility. Divine liability and human responsibility. Meaning that God will not do for you what he's already blessed you to do. See, there are certain things in life that God is responsible for. See, God is responsible to provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory. You know, the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
You know, so many people, we go, we go and we're crying out for our basic needs. God, would you just give me some? I remember when I was, I was uh, a couple weeks back. It was like not a couple weeks. It was like November. And I don't know what happened. I hit like a moment in time where I was, I was broke. Like I checked like my Korean bank account. I checked my other bank account. I checked like my U.S. bank account. And for some reason, I had like $4 to my name. And it was like two weeks till payday. And I was like, what am I going to do? 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 And I was freaking out. Like, I don't know if you've ever went through that before. Maybe it's just me. The way you guys are looking at me, I'm like, man, I need to work on my stewardship. Help me, God, with my financial steward. You know, I'm getting better with that. Um, but <laughs> you guys are all looking at me like, Psh. but you know, when I was uh, <laughs> Pastor Marcus, you need to get better with that. But yeah, I just saw crickets in my bank account, just chirping, nothing. It was just dust. And I was like, Lord, what are you going to help me out? I need something. And I'm crying out to God for my basic needs. Like, Lord, just, just, just give me like $2 and I'll go to Taco Bell and I'll get me some tacos. And then tomorrow I'll just get some kimbap. Help me. And I'm praying and I'm praying and I, and I hear the Lord just saying, shut up. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I don't know about your intimacy with God. My intimacy with God's a little different. We speak like friends face to face. And so sometimes he'll say, shut up. <laughs> and so he was like, what are you asking me? Why are you asking me for your basic needs? You know what? What you need is already in your house. I'm like, it is. Yeah, it is. Just this time, though. And then what came to my mind in that moment is as soon as I, as soon as I felt that peace, I thought about my coin jars. <laughs> I had like this huge coin jar in one of my dressers that was like, that jar was like 25 pounds. It's like 12 kilos. And then I had another coin jar up there and I'm like, and then I, and I think I'm like, man, I don't want to roll these things every, that'd take me like four years to roll all these. Cause I'm thinking like in America, you've got to get like the coin rolls and you've got to like put them in and you've got to separate them. And that takes like all year. Not saying I've done it a lot. I'm just saying, I, I just know about it. <laughs> and I'm like, man, like, okay, I've got these bags of change. I got change, but I can't, I don't know what to do with it. It's like many times our needs are right in our hands, but we don't know what to do with it. God's provided for everything you need, but you don't have the discernment to see that it's already in your hands. You just need to know what to do with it. And I'm sitting there holding these bags change, and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Uh, I, I guess I could pay for everything in change for the next couple of weeks, but that's kind of played out. I don't want to do that. And then I talked to my roommate, Pastor John, when he was living with us, and he's like, yo, you know you can just go to KB Bank, right? It's like the most amazing, you know, you can go to the bank with like your bag of change and you can just pour in it. You don't even have to separate it. Like I had like paper clips up in there. I had like a USB flash drive. I had not seen. It was like four gigs of space. I was like, where did this go? 
and it separates it and then it deposits in your bank account like immediate like same yo Korea like uh, we got to intercede for America yo we need one of those machines there'd be a line at that machine but yeah like I so I go to KB and I'm like I try to do like incognito though like I put it all in my book bag but my book bag was like mad heavy so I was like sweating like it's like cold outside and I'm like the only person sweating walking into the bank and then I'm like see the cashier and I'm I'm just like I just kind of shook my backpack a bit so she heard the change and she's like (laughs) we walk over and we opened it up and I poured in all this change and I poured it in and I had like 150 bucks I know right that's what I'm saying You know, the Bible says that wealth and riches are in our house. You know, the Bible says that he will provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory. David said, I am young and now I'm old. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor his children begging for bread. You know that you will never be on the street begging for bread. Because God has always provided for you. He will always provide for those needs. He will always, always. The only way you end up begging for bread is if God's provided for your needs and you've rejected it. He says that's his that's God's responsibility into your life, that he will provide for all your needs. But increase in stewarding that increase requires our participation. See, Jabez, he had to cry out for the increase. He couldn't just say, well, I just trust that the increase will come. So I'm just going to chill. He had to cry out. He said, Lord, oh, that you would bless me. That word in the Hebrew is the word Barak. But in in the Hebrew language, it's there twice. Barak, Barakah, meaning that it's a double. It's to it's to emphasize that word bless. In the ESV, they don't have it there. It just says, oh, that you would bless me. But no, what he's crying out for is, God, would you bless me double what you've ever blessed me before? God, would you increase me beyond what I've ever experienced before? You've got to cry out for it, because if you don't cry out for it, you won't have the faith for it. And it's according to your faith that it's done unto you. See, when Jesus had the loaves of bread, he had the loaf and the the five loaves and the two fish. He blessed it. He broke it and he put it into their hands. But it didn't it didn't break to feed the multitudes when it was in their hands. It wasn't like they were walking around with all kinds of loaves. They had to exercise the faith to go to every single person in that multitude and break off a loaf and break off some fish. They had to have the faith for it. And that's how they experienced the increase. That's how they were able to steward it. And see, what prayer does is prayer begins to increase your faith, to believe for the increase that God's going to do in your life. So that then when it comes, you'll be a proper steward of it. Because, see, God doesn't want to give you something and then you not steward it correctly. And then he has to judge you for your, your lack of stewardship. That's not the kind of God that we serve. You understand what I'm saying? See, what God wants to do is God wants to build you up so that when it comes, you're ready for it. You know, here in this house, we we 
we have Sunday swim and we have Friday fire, right? We have our prayer meetings. And here at these prayer meetings, you know what we do? We cry out on behalf of this house. And we cry out for increase and we cry out that more and more people will come into this house and more and more people will get set free and more and more people will experience God. At our joint prayer meetings, we cry out for North Korea. I remember the first time I cried out for North Korea, I had no faith for it. Zero faith. I was just praying it because I like John Michael. I thought he's cool. And he asked me to pray. He said, pray. So I was like, all right, I I like John Michael. So I'm going to pray. And then the second time he showed a video. And then more and more I began to pray. And then my heart began to start burning for it. And then the faith began to rise up in me to believe God for what he's going to bring. What breaks a spirit of poverty is not increase. Many times when we're walking in poverty, we're just waiting for God to bless us, to break us out of that spirit of poverty. But if you're walking in a spirit of poverty, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how much influence you get. It doesn't matter how much blessing you receive. You'll, You'll just divert all those resources to make your lack even higher. I got this revelation actually listening to hip hop music. Because I was watching these young men and they're rapping and they're singing about the ghetto and about the streets and about the projects. I I grew up in the projects. I know what's there. And they're rapping about about their sexual addictions and they're rapping about their drug addictions and exploiting other people to make money off of their drug addictions. And I was thinking, you know. Wouldn't at some point you'd maybe you would, wouldn't you make enough money to where you'd say, I don't want to live that life anymore. But no, what happens is when you have a spirit of poverty. When the increase comes, you just divert all your resources. To building that lack of. I even read a statistic about basketball players in the NBA, about how 60 percent of the players in the league when they leave. Within five years, they're all broke. It's like, why is that? It's because if you don't have the faith to steward increase correctly, you'll just spend it. And it'll be stolen from you. But when you begin to press in and you begin to pray and you have that faith. It says the righteous live by faith. Faith begets more faith. So that faith begins to increase. And then when other areas of your life begin to get touched by that same faith and it begins to increase. It can't be taken from you. It can't be moved. I didn't even want to go that direction, but I felt like God was impressing that upon my heart. See, Jabez said, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. And that your hand might be with me. He was crying out for God to bless him. Even in his finances. To bless him enlarging his border and blessing his finances, blessing his influence. And that God's hand would be with him. God's protection would be upon him. That God's favor would be upon him. I believe that God wants to release 
an increase of favor in this house. Amen. I believe that God wants to put favor in your life, that you can go to the high mountains, that you can experience that increase to the highest of those seven mountains. You can go to the top of business, to the top of education, to government, to media and the arts. And God will continue to increase your border. He'll continue to bless you. He'll continue to give unto you and his hand will be upon you, knowing that you'll be a faithful steward of it. And then the last thing that he praises, the most peculiar thing. He says that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from evil. So that it might not bring me pain. You know, many times the first thing we pray is for God to keep us from evil. Many times the first thing we pray is, God, help me get past this thing I'm struggling with. Help me get past this issue. Help me to get past this, this area that is right in front of my face. But that was the last thing that was on Jabez's mind. He understood God to be God of such increase, such blessing, such favor. That God wanted to prosper him in such a way that his prayer was, God, I know you're going to bless me like crazy. I know that you're going to do some crazy things in my life. You believe that for yourself? You know, my belief for Itaewon is that God is going to pack out this sanctuary. And that God's going to pack it out to the front, to the back. There are going to be people on the side in the overflow rooms. And that it's not going to be just the people in the front. But everyone's going to have their hands raised. That the glory of God is going to fill the entire place. The train of his robe is going to fill this temple. I believe that the sons and daughters in this house are going to take the kingdom outside. The education in Korea is going to be transformed. One of the core values of our church is dream big. It is time for us to dream big. And his, his dreams were so big that his fear was not that his fear was that God would bless him so much. That God would bless him so, in such a crazy way that it could be to his his detriment. Like, no, who prays prayers like that? Who says, God, I know that you're going to, like, make me president of the United States. So I ask that you keep my heart pure. But that's the kind of prayer that God wants you to pray. God, I know that you're going to set me up at a very high place in this nation. God, I know that you're going to use me, God, to bring down human trafficking. God, I know, God, that you're going to use me to reform the education system. God, I know that you're going to use me, God, not just to transform my own family, but to transform families, entire regions. I know, God, that you're going to use me to bring down suicide. God, I know that you're going to use me to transform the media and entertainment business. So, God, keep my heart pure. God, keep my heart pure because I believe you to be a God of such crazy increase. That's faith. See, when we pray, God, help me now, help me now, help me now, because I don't want to fail later. That's fear. That's the fear of failure. But when you pray the prayer like Jabez, it's saying, that's faith. That's saying, God, I know you're going to take me there. 
I know that I'm destined. I know that I'm made for honor. I know that I'm made for increase. I know that I'm made for glory. I know that I am made to rule and reign with you. And it doesn't matter that I was born in pain. It doesn't matter that my name may be commoner. It doesn't matter what people have said or done to me. It doesn't matter what I went through in my past because God, I know that now is the time of increase. And I know that God, now is the time where you're going to enlarge my tent. I know that now God is the time where you're going to bless me beyond what I can even imagine for myself. So yes, God, do it, Lord. Prepare me for it, God. And God granted his request. A couple weeks ago, I preached about going into the city. And at the end of that message, I talked about how Peter, he went and the slave girl met him at the gate. And then she ran back to the the rest of her friends and she told him, she told them that Peter was out of the prison and Peter had walked into the city. And if you remember, I said that the city represents our destiny. And I remember I said that God's wanting to lead you out of the prison. He's wanting to lead you out of the place where you've been wearing the prison garbs and been having the chains And where your mindset has not been renewed. And he's wanting to lead you out of those things with a renewed mind into your destiny. And that he's going to lead you to such a place. That when you go back and when other people see you from your past. They're not going to believe it. Even if they were told. When the servant girl went to tell them, they did not believe it. All they knew was the Peter who was in chains. Many times, all that other people know is the Peter that's in chains. Many times, the only person we know is the Peter that's in chains. We see ourselves as those people born in pain. But now's the time to begin to cry out and believe for increase. Amen? Let's bow our heads in prayer.